0: you have your Bibles, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Most every preacher that, that's preached for very long has a sermon in their, what I call in their back pocket, that if someone asks them if they... Uh, Could preach tonight or just out of the without any preparation, could you preach for me today? Uh, This is one of those for me. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14 is one of my favorite paragraphs of scripture. Uh, We remember that all four of the gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell the story of the life of Christ. We call them the gospels. But they uh, basically tell the life of Jesus, but they are told from four different perspectives, written to four different groups and four different audiences at four different times. Matthew was written primarily to Jewish. Uh, Matthew was written primarily to a Jewish audience, uh, written to show that Jesus was Messiah, Matthew was probably the first gospel written. There's some debate whether Matthew or Mark is first. Uh, it's not a huge debate and not really, doesn't really make a lot of difference. But Mark was written to show Jesus as a suffering servant. Mark was written from Peter's perspective. Uh, most uh, folks that study these things think that Peter was Mark's primary source material. There's more. There's a lot of things told from Peter's point of view. There's some comments made about Peter in the book of Mark that aren't made in the other books. Luke was written by Luke the doctor. It was written along with the book of Acts. They were kind of, uh, you could really call Acts Luke 2. They were two back-to-back books written to Luke's friend, Theophilus. And then John was written for a totally different purpose. The Gospel of John was written toward the end of the first century. Matter of fact, toward the very end of the first century, probably somewhere between 85 and 90 uh, A.D. If you remember that Jesus died about 30, 33 A.D. So uh, we're looking at about 60 years after Jesus died. Most of the original Christians, that first generation of Christians that passed on to glory a second generation, and a third generation of Christians have come on the scene, and they are starting to believe some things about Jesus that isn't true, or that aren't true. These things aren't true. Uh, They are a forerunner. The the word that we use for that that teaching is called Gnosticism, and we're not going to get into that big term today. That's for a, a different time, for a different class, for a different setting. But Gnostics, very similarly... the things that Jehovah's Witnesses believe today. It's kind of Gnosticism is seen in their uh, Jehovah's Witness teaching today, basically saying that Jesus, they have two positions. One, either Jesus was never resurrected uh, spiritually or physically. He was only resurrected in spirit. They believe that physical uh, matter was sinful. And so when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was only raised spiritually. And they also teach that Jesus Christ is not God. They teach Jesus Christ is a created being. And so by the time John writes the Gospel of John, there are people that are saying, well, Jesus was a good teacher, Jesus was our Savior, but Jesus really isn't God. Or Jesus was a good teacher, Jesus is our Savior, and Jesus is God, but he really wasn't human. And so John writes his gospel. And if you'll take, hold your finger in John 1, look back at John chapter 20. John chapter 20. John tells us why he wrote his book. John 20, beginning at verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so John is writing his book to prove and to show that Jesus Christ is God, Jesus Christ is Savior, and that believing in Jesus can bring everlasting, eternal life. John basically says, you guys have heard about Jesus, I saw him. And he brings that out here in this paragraph. So, with that background in mind, let's read verses 1 to 14 of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was in the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light To those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood. Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of man. But of God. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace. And truth. The word you see listed several times through this passage is the word, word, W-O-R-D. That is the Greek word logos. And that word is used over 77 times in the book of John. The logos, the word, is God's primary active force. And this paragraph tells us several things about logos, or the word. First of all, the Word is God. Logos is God. And John points out several different characteristics of God that we find in this Logos, in this Word. First of all, we find He's eternal, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and was in the beginning with God. God is eternal, the Word is eternal. Logos is eternal. In the beginning, this isn't a time frame, but it's an event. In the beginning, when everything started, I can't help but compare the first paragraph of John 1 to the first paragraph of Genesis 1. John 1 begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was Genesis 1 begins in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Did you notice in Genesis 1 and in John 1 several things are similar? God, creation, light, darkness, life. But understand that beginning, in the beginning, Time is something that was created for humans. God does not dwell in time. God does not dwell in space. He's everywhere everywhere at once. The great theological word for that is called omnipresence. He's present everywhere at once. He is eternal. He always has been, always will be. So in the beginning, as far as man is concerned, when time started, in the beginning was the Word. When everything started, the word was. The word was here. The word was with God. And the word was God. Similar to what Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. When Moses asked God at the burning bush, when they asked me who sent me to them, who do I tell them sent me? And God said, you tell them I am has sent you. In the beginning, was the Word? The Word was with God. The Word was God. That Word was carries with it the eternal presence of God, the eternal existence of Jesus, the eternal existence of Logos, the Word. But someone tells you that Jesus is a created being. John one one and two refutes that right away. In the beginning was the Word. You say, it doesn't say Jesus. Hang on with me. We'll get there. John doesn't want to reveal yet who the Word is. He's busy talking about the Word. So when we look at verses 1 and 2 here, we understand that the Word, whoever the Word is, whoever Logos is, he was with God and he was God, right? We can agree that's what that says there in those verses. Before Jesus Christ is referred to in Scripture as the Son of God, He's referred to as God. You see that here? He hasn't been called God's Son yet. He is God. So we need to know that right up front. If someone attacks Genesis 1-1, they are attacking the existence of God. They are attacking the ability of God to create the world from nothing. When someone attacks John 1-1, They are attacking the existence of Jesus, who Jesus is, his deity. We get to verse 2. It's a restatement with verse 1. He was in the beginning with God. When it all started, he was. Who's the he? The logos, the word. When it all started, he was. So first of all, John's trying to pound into our heads and his listeners' heads, Remember, they're saying Jesus is a created being. Jesus really didn't raise from the dead physically. He only raised from the dead spiritually. John says right up front, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So first of all, God's eternal. Second of all, the second characteristic of God that John brings out here that's Attributed to Logos or the Word. The the Word, Logos, he's eternal. He's also creator. Logos is creator. The Word was creator. It says first positively, all things were made through him. Can you get more simple than that? How much is all? All, right? All things. It doesn't mean nearly all things. Some things. All things were made by Logos, by the Word. By the way, Hebrews 1 and Colossians 1 talk about that as well. Jesus Christ is the agent of creation. He's the creator. He creates it all. He holds it all together. It's all made by him, for him, through him, held together by him. But then he states it negatively. He says in verse 3, first of all, he says, All things were made through him. Then he says, him, nothing was made that was made. In other words, if anything was made, it was made by Jesus. There was nothing created that was created that wasn't created by Jesus. And the English there is a little bit wordy, but what John is basically saying is that Jesus created, every, or the Logos, we ain't got to Jesus yet, the Logos, the Word, created everything. There was nothing created that the word, Lagos, didn't create. So are you with me so far? Lagos is God. He's eternal. He is creator. He is also life, in verse 4. In him was life. In this word, this Logos. Is life. Did you know in the word, and, and I'm gonna go ahead and say it, it's in Jesus. In Jesus in the logos, we find quality of life. John tells us in John 10:10, 10, 10, I came to give my followers life. And he came, he said, I gave I want them to have life abundantly. We find quality of life in Jesus. Now, I could preach the whole sermon on that, but I'm not. We find the quality of life in Jesus. We find the definition of life in Jesus. In Revelation 20, verse 14, John talks about the second death. And he says, those that are in Christ don't have to fear the second death. What is life? Life is the opposite of death, right? So Jesus Christ brings the very definition of life. Jesus brings the Preservation of life through Jesus Christ, life goes on even in death. You know the cool thing? This morning, if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, that you know when you die, you really don't die. Now, your body here is going to hang out till Jesus either raptures it, or if you die before Jesus the rapture, it, it, your body's going to hang out till the rapture. He's going to reunite your body, it's going to be a perfect glorified body, right? With your spirit, it's going to live forever. But you will never lose consciousness. You will never cease existing. You're going to keep on living, keep on loving, keep on worshiping, keep on being who you are. Isn't that cool? And we find that in the Word. Only God can give eternal life, right? In him is life. In him is light. He is light. He is life. He is light. Verse uh, verse 4 and 5. In him was life and the life that was the light of man and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. This is a tricky Greek phrase and different translations translate this a little bit differently. Uh, I think it's better translated of uh, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not extinguished it or has not put it out. And basically what that is saying is Jesus Christ, the Word, came as a light. What does light do? Light illuminates darkness, right? Uh, when You, if these lights are all working, does it matter how dark it gets outside where the light won't shine through the darkness? Can it get so dark that this light, it can't. The light keeps shining in darkness. The the light can't put it out. Darkness can't put out the light. John likes to use the metaphor, darkness is wickedness, light is righteousness. He uses it all through his book. John says that the word came as a light in darkness. Would you agree with me that we live in a dark place? We live in a dark world. It is mean. It is hateful. Marie last night and I watched a little Kentucky basketball. And after the Kentucky basketball game, we watched a couple of episodes of forensic files. And can I tell you, there's some messed up people in the world. There are a lot of different creative ways that people can think of to do bad things to other people. Uh, But you know what? There's a light that shines in that darkness, and that light is Jesus Christ. And no matter how dark the darkness is, the light shines. And we'll say more about that here in just a little bit. So first of all, as we wrap up these first five verses, The word, Logos, is God. He's eternal. He is creator. He is light. He is life. But secondly, verses 6 through 9, the word has a witness. Logos has a witness. Verses 6 to 9. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the Word or into the world. There was a man sent from God. Did you know that all great movements of God starts with God sending a man? When you read the Old Testament in the Judges, there was a cycle that the Israelites went through. They would go through a cycle of sin. They would be taken into captivity and oppression. They would cry out to God, God, please save us, please free us. God would raise up a judge, a man, to come and free his people. And they would be hallelujah, shouting the Lord, the Lord is great, the Lord is good, we're going to worship him forever, we're never going to mess up again. And then they go into the cycle of sin again. And they will go down and be taken into captivity. Oh, Lord, we're so sorry. If you'll free us, we'll never sin again. God would raise up someone. Every great move of God always starts with a man. Let me tell you what, John 1, chapter 1, talks about the greatest move of God ever. And it began with a man. And that man was none other than John the Baptist. Verse 7 tells us that John's job was to give witness. So witness is to tell about. It's to confirm the light. Now, John goes out of his way to say, John wasn't the light. This witness wasn't the light. His job is to talk about the light. The light's the word. We found that in verses 4 and 5. But John's word is to be the witness. And notice in verse 7, he says that all through him might believe this tells us that the message the chance of redemption the good news of the gospel is for everybody there's not just a certain group of people that can be saved Jesus Christ died for us all and John came to bear witness that all who believed in this light might find salvation and come to know him they might believe verses 8 and 9 John the baptizer was not the light he was sent, he had a mission, he had a purpose to bear witness about the true light. So the Logos, the Word is God. The Word had a witness. Number three, the Word was rejected. The Word was rejected. Verses 10 and 11. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know it. He came to his own, and his own did not receive it. Jesus Christ was in the world. And you know what light does? He came to the world as a light. I'm going to tell a, a, I'm going to give an illustration, because it, it points out what, it illustrates what I'm trying to point out. It's not the most pleasant of illustrations, but have you ever, you've had like a been in a house or a hopefully not your house but somebody's house where maybe a dorm room or something like that where it's dark and you flip on the light and roaches go everywhere you ever seen those roaches just scattering light reveals them and i know that's gross and nasty but let me tell you that's what the light of jesus christ does to sin jesus christ reveals sin the light Reveals darkness or the light shines in the darkness. It reveals, it shows that sin. Mankind wants to sin in darkness. But the light reveals that darkness. problem was and the problem is mankind likes their darkness more than they like the light. And so they rejected Jesus Christ. He came to his own people and they rejected him. The world didn't know him. The world didn't receive him. The world rejected him. And guess what? For the most part, would you say the world continues to reject Jesus? Not totally. Now there are people that say, "Oh, I admire Jesus." Jesus didn't call us to admire him. He called us to obey him. He called us to submit to his lordship and his and accept his gift of salvation. Oh, Jesus is a great teacher. Well, if he's a great teacher, why don't you obey him? If he's a great teacher, Jesus is either everything he says he is, and by the way, he says he was God. Where did Jesus say he was God? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said That's the clearest expression of Jesus saying, I am God. He says, I am. And the Jewish leaders he was talking to at that point were infuriated because they knew exactly who Jesus was saying he was. Jesus is either God or he is the biggest liar and the biggest con man the world's ever known. Have you thought about that? Jesus says, I'm the only way to the Father. No man comes to the Father but by me. That is a pretty exclusive statement. Now, I know Jesus came to Help the poor, and he came to fight social injustice and all this kind of thing. But the primary reason Jesus came is to bring a lost people to their father. He came to bridge that gap. Unfortunately, the world rejects it. Let me tell you what, the world's going to love the church as long as the church takes care of the poor, feeds the hungry, stands up for the oppressed, and can I say we're supposed to do all that? We're called to do that. But here's where folks get upset with the church is when we start telling them that Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. That one way is not just as good as another way. That's the difference. I was talking to one of my Buddhist inmates, and he said, you know, Buddhism and Christianity, said, it's really the same thing. And I said, no, it's really not the same thing. I said, they have a lot of... Similar moral teachings. But in Buddhism, if you do enough, you can be reincarnated to the next life. So if you do enough, you can be reincarnated to the next life. If you work hard enough, you can finally get to nirvana. Christianity at its basic form teaches there is nothing you and I can do to get to God. We've sinned and we can't get there. So God came to us. The difference in Christianity and every other world religion is the fact that instead of us going to God, God came to us. It's not what we do, it's what He did. And the world rejects that. And they rejected Jesus. We shouldn't be surprised when the world rejects us. Part of the problem of the church today is that we try to make Jesus cool. And we try to make the church cool. And I do believe we should be relevant. We should help people with their issues. But I preach on Sunday, it should help you when you go to work. To senior citizens, wherever you're going during the week, to live a Christian life. But most importantly as a pastor, my biggest job is to equip you and to build you in the type of disciple that makes you go make other disciples. That's the way the gospel message in the mind of Jesus is supposed to work. The world rejected. Logos was rejected. Number four, Logos is Savior. Verses 12 and 13. Verse 11, for context, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now notice, as to trust Jesus as Savior, you have to do more than believe. Scripture tells us in James 2, verse 19, the devils believe and tremble. Do you know the devils believe Jesus is God's son? Remember the demons that Jesus cast out of folks. Remember they would say, Jesus, Son of God, have you come to cast us out before? They know exactly who Jesus is. But they're in torment because they haven't submitted to his lordship, to his authority. They haven't received Jesus. So notice the language that John uses in verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Believe is something we do in our mind. Receive is something we do in our heart. He gave us the right to become sons of God. We get to be adopted into the family. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 talk about that. We're not going to read that. But you can write that down. You can read it later if you want to do that. But we are adopted into God's family. Through Jesus Christ. Logos is savior. Verse thirteen. It's not a physical transaction, but it's a spiritual one. Remember in John three when Jesus told Nicodemus, "You must be born again." And there's a word there in Greek that we don't use. It's not in our English translations. To me, that should be what John told or Jesus told Nicodemus was, "You must be born again from above." It's a heavenly thing. It's a heavenly. Birth. It's a spiritual transaction. Titus 3 verse 5 says that we're washed with the renewing of the Holy Spirit. When we are adopted into God's family, it's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. Being baptized in water doesn't put you in God's family. Being baptized in water shows you have been put into God's family. It's the outward side of what's been done inwardly. Savior or Lagos is Savior. Finally, Logos is Emmanuel. We finally get there. Now before I read this verse, I want to put the time of the writing back in context. John is writing to second and third generation Christians. They've come up with some crazy ideas about who Jesus is. They believe in a Jesus, but they don't understand Jesus There's a lot of folks today that call themselves Christians that believe in a Jesus, but they haven't received and believed Jesus. So with that in mind, John finally reveals who this Logos, who this word is, verse 14. And the word, the Logos, became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Logos became flesh. Logos became Emmanuel, God with us. Logos became Jesus. And John says, you've heard about Jesus. John says, we beheld his glory. I saw him. And I think specifically he's talking about that glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember when Peter, James, and John went on the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus was shown in all of his glory and the apostles, they just hit their feet and all. John said, I saw that. This Jesus you guys are believing in is not Jesus. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And he, goes, he proceeds to write Uh, several different miracles and several different encounters. There's more original material in the Gospel of John than in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke repeat a lot of the same material because their purposes were different. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were basically written to give a biography of Jesus to different peoples. John wrote his book to prove and to show that Jesus Christ is God and he's also Savior. That's the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? Because you know what? I was saved August the 3rd, 1981. I'm not sure I understood exactly what I was doing. And I understand way more about it today than I did then. And I've come a long way. I'm still not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be, amen? God's not done with me. But i say this, I need Jesus Christ and the fact he's Emmanuel with me, that means more to me today at 57 than it did when I was 17 when I first got saved. Because there's been times in my life that the only thing i had was God with me. I'm sure there are times in your life that the only thing you've had is God with you. And when you get to that point, can I tell you, find out that's all you need. That's great to have other things. But when I thought I couldn't keep on going, God with me showed me that, yes, you can. I'll go with you. And I found out I could. Here a few weeks ago, we gave testimony of how God's working in our lives. Aren't you glad God's with us? God is not some far away God way out in the universe. And so many people have that concept of God. That He's just way up there in heaven, He's unapproachable. You can't, He doesn't care. God put it all in motion, but He doesn't care about the details of our lives. Can I tell you that God cares totally about the details of your life and my life? He is there for you when you need Him. God with us. The fact that God came to live with us is the greatest of Christmas miracles. The virgin birth is a biggie, but the fact that God came, Logos, the creator, the eternal one, the light, the life, came to live with us. And one more little step, and I'm going to, Testament, god's tabernacle was in the wilderness when god's people got to the promised land god's tabernacle his dwelling place was in the temple now god's tabernacle is in his people not only did god is god with us in emmanuel in the christmas story not only did he come as the little baby who died as our sacrifice but god is in us today not only is God with you figuratively, God's with you literally and spiritually. God with us. The gift that Christmas, or the gift that keeps on giving. Now, every one of us here, I don't know what you're going to get for Christmas. Some of you are going to get a lot, some of you are not going to get as much. Some of us are going to get what we want, some of us are going to get a tight underwear again. <laughs> Can I tell you this? Listen to me now. If you haven't listened the rest of the time, listen right now. If you are a Christ follower this morning, you've been given the greatest gift in the world. You've been given God. Amen. And can I tell you this if you're not a Christ follower? I don't care if you get a Lamborghini for Christmas. It doesn't mean anything. The gift that keeps on giving. And the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And the Word became bow with me. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us and thank you for this just prologue to the Gospel of John, the reminder of who Jesus is. And When I study this, Father, I just i can't do justice to this paragraph. I, no matter how hard I try to explain it, I feel like I fell short of doing that. Just I pray your spirit will work in our hearts to understand exactly what the gift of Jesus Christ is. And I just pray that for the Christ followers that are here this morning, that we would not take this gift lightly, but cherish it in our hearts, cherish it in our lives, help it make a difference in our life, help it be a light and a guide in our life. And I just pray, Father, for those that don't know Jesus as their Savior. I just pray that something could be said during this Christmas season. I just pray they could read something during this Christmas season that will break their hard hearts so that the good news of the gospel can enter in. In Jesus' name.